Well, good morning, church. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Amy Russell and I am on staff here. Uh, as you heard, our senior pastor, Jerry Gould, is away right now. He's serving in Cairo, Egypt with our team. And the team there is doing great. Uh, it has been a really exciting time, but uh, they are ministering to, to the IWs. God is good. Uh, and uh, it's awesome that I have the privilege to uh, serve with you this morning in this way. We've been walking through a sermon series together. Uh, we're learning about Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. And some of the backstory for uh, this letter, uh, the first Thessalonians, is found in the book of Acts, in uh, Acts 17. And, and if you look there, uh, we learn about Paul and his uh, co-worker Silas, and they went to the ancient city of Thessalonica, and they were there only a short time. They were there for about three Sabbaths, so that's maybe less than a month, around a month. And they were sharing the, the good news of Jesus. And they experienced many of the Jewish people there, many of the Greek people there, the Gentiles. They were giving their hearts, their, their allegiance to Christ. And a church community was started there. But similar to other places, you know, as Paul and, and Silas were announcing that Jesus was the true Lord and, and Savior, it led to, to suspicion and it led to trouble because what they were doing was they were going against culture at the time. So the Christians were accused of defying Caesar when they said that there was another king, Jesus. And it started to get heated, and it came at a cost, and the Christians there started to experience hostility, and the persecution got so intense that there was a, an uproar, and Paul and Silas fled the city. Uh, but this was really hard for them because even though their time with them was really brief, they had formed this, like these lasting, um, affectionate relationships with the people there. Paul loved them so much, and, and you can see his affection for them as you read through this letter. And even in the verses that we're looking at today, we see Paul attempting to reconnect with the Thessalonian church, and we can hear the sadness that he felt for the hardships that, that they were enduring after he and Silas had fled, and the, the heartache in him that he was experiencing uh, for the distance that was, was between them. You know, Paul, Paul is growing increasingly more concerned about their faith. And so he's, he shares his heart. If you want to grab your Bible app in your phone or, or your Bible, we'll have it up on the screen. It's 1 Thessalonians 2, starting at verse 17 and going into chapter 3, verse 5. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought. Out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of the Lord when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service and spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and to encourage you in your faith so that no one be, would be unsettled in these trials. 
For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might be in vain. So we see Paul starting out with this enduring term for them. They are family it says brothers and sisters. And continues to describe their strong connection as he describes the distance between them as we were orphaned by being separated from you. This picture of a family being torn away from each other. Paul wants them to know that he didn't desert them, that the distance between them was this difficult and this painful loss for him. And he reminds them that while he was absent from them physically, that they hadn't left his heart. He says their separation was in person, not in thought. It was as if to say, you might be out of sight, but you are not out of mind. The, the distance doesn't change anything between them. His attention was on them. And his affection was for them. He says, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. They couldn't even imagine how much they had missed them and how he tr had tried over and over and over again to see them. He wanted to see them, their faith, their, their walk, how they were living. And he told them, I, we wanted to come to you again and again, but it was Satan. He blocked our way. Paul was making attempts to get to them, but the enemy kept frustrating Paul's plans. The distance was not because of him. Satan was setting up obstructions. But Paul persists. They mean so much to him. He says that they are hope to him, joy to him, the crown in which we will glory in the presence when our Lord Jesus comes. He says, is it not you? Is it not you? You too. The Thessalonians to Paul are his glory and his joy. Those Thessalonians following after Jesus means that they would all be together in eternity. It meant that, that Paul would know them forever. It meant that they would be celebrating together this, this joy that they have in their, in their salvation, the crown. It's this picture of the victory that they all know over death and, and hell and sin in Jesus. Paul's heart was filled with, with the highest happiness that someday they would all be together in the presence of Christ, the Thessalonian church and him. And, and he wanted to ensure that this in fact was the case. He wanted to know where they were with their faith. And you can hear that urgency for them springing up out of this, this love that he has for them. He says, I can stand it no longer. Right, Paul, but even at a personal loss to him, he said it was better to be left by ourselves. So he pivots and he sends Timothy. Timothy, who Paul describes as his brother, a coworker in God's service, spreading the gospel of Christ. Paul dispatched Timothy out of his great concern for them, someone that he called brother, somebody who was so dear to him, somebody useful that he was serving with side by side, was him, he sacrificed being with him. Paul sent Timothy and he did so to strengthen them, to encourage them so that no, no one would be unsettled by these trials, that their faith would be disrupted. Paul knew the difficulties that they were facing. He had faced difficulties like that personally. 
And, and he had warned them, in fact, that uh, they would face them. And he didn't want Satan getting in there and tearing down everything that they had already built up together. So out of his love for him, Paul sent a, a faithful minister of God, Timothy, someone to, to cheer them up, someone to, to stir them up, someone to encourage them on. And I think as we consider these verses, we, we can't help but hear Paul's his heart, his care, his love for the Thessalonians. And I believe that this is really important for us today, Paul's relationship to the church. It informs us about our relationship in church. What are those qualities of of Paul's relationship that are so important for us to know too? What does Paul show us about the importance of fellowship and community in our faith? How can we apply this to our relationships that we have? Because relationships are something we're gonna need to consider. They're, they're at the very center of Christian faith. Right? Community is who we are because it is who God is. When God created each of us, he did so out of relationship. We have a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We were created in relationship for relationship. Throughout history, God has moved this way. He loves us being together, together with him and together with each other. And as part of the church, we share this common bond together. Each of us who have encountered Jesus, believing who he is and, and doing what he says that he will do, this by grace God says that we become children of God. And we're called out of sin, the old way of doing things, the way that the world does things. And we are called into participation, into his kingdom. We are adopted into his family. We are in relationship with him and in turn in relationship with one another. God is not simply in the business of of saving souls. He's in the business of creating a new family. As God's people, as Jesus followers together, We are in the family of God. Tell the person beside you, say, we are family. You're family. We are not meant to be alone. We aren't meant to learn alone. We're not meant to work alone. We're not meant to celebrate alone. We're not meant to grieve alone, make decisions alone. We were meant to be together in loving relationship with God in loving relationship with each other. God's family living out their faith together. And we can see that Paul has this this position towards the Thessalonians. This certainly wasn't uh, superficial. It it wasn't impersonal. (laughs) They weren't acquaintances. He loves them. Not only did, did he go and share the gospel with the Thessalonians, but, but his very life with them, he gave his heart. So let me ask you now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite you to get together with a few people around you, get into groups and, and maybe chat with three or four people. But what we wanna talk about, I'm gonna put the verses up on the screen. And, and what I would love for you to, to look at as we examine God's word are what are some of the qualities that we see Paul demonstrate in his relationship 
with the Thessalonian church? What are some of those key features that describe the, the very nature of his love for them? What does his love look like? So we'll do this for about five minutes and then, and then we'll talk again.
Just one more minute. Okay, friends, if you, if you want to head back to your seats and we'll continue this morning. I think I would have uh, really loved to hear all the, the different things that you were talking about in your, in your groups. From, from this side, I heard someone share uh, Paul's intentionality, uh, that, he would, uh, that he would write letters to care for them. Uh, from this side, I heard his missional heart, uh, that he would go and serve Christ and serve those people uh, who don't know Jesus' love. Uh, some of the things that I was thinking about, and, and this, is, this is just limited, um, I'm sure there are far more. I just want to put up the slide, Adrian. But one of the things that, that I saw uh, was that Paul's love was sacrificial. Um, he sought their good over his own. Remember uh, when he set uh, Timothy uh, out. It wasn't about getting what Paul was going to get out of that relationship. It was about what he was giving to that relationship. Uh, another feature um, about his love might be his, his honesty or his humility. You know, Paul tells it like it is about the, the difficulties that as Christians that they will face. He doesn't sugarcoat it. In their relationship, there was this willingness that, uh, that they could say hard things and receive hard things. And there was a demonstration that it would be worked out together. Uh, it was authentic there was uh, a messy, hard truth, and Paul didn't try and sanitize that in any way. Paul was available to them. You know, he was in it. He was committed. He was willing to show up. Remember, he, he lived with them day in and, and day out. He was uh, intentional about his connection. It was personal. He wanted to return to, to be with them. This was this was friendship, this was face-to-face, -face. it was doing life together. And we can see Paul's love for them, he was faithful to them, he follows up with them, he persists with them, he wants to, to keep building that relationship and end that connection. He wants to be with them and, and spend time with them. Um, and, I, and I'm sure that there's more. And, and even this list though, when we look at this list, this list demonstrates such a, a robust love for each other, this, this full connection that we can experience together between believers. And I wonder, do we live like, like this in our relationships within the church? Maybe with those people that you're doing life group with or, or those people on a, on a team that you're serving with, does it look like this? Do we love open-hearted 
or are we a little guarded? Are we invested in the spiritual lives of others? Do we put ourselves with people who, who challenge us towards love and godliness and holiness? Do we show up in relationship or do we kind of bail? Do we stay there and, and work it out or, or kind of give up, make excuses when it, when it gets uncomfortable or, or kind of weird or too hard? Do we genuinely express love? It's like this is the nature of our relationships that, that God is inviting us to. And following Jesus means that you know, we're measured by our love, love for God that's expressed by, by loving others. And, and I think um, as Christians, what we, what we know, what we genuinely believe, what, what we say, sometimes those things can be very different than what we do. Bernice prayed this. Right? And, and when that happens, we, we are deceiving ourselves about what, that we have it all together spiritually. Things like our church attendance or our Bible knowledge or, or sin avoidance. Right? These, these things can result in this false sense of, of spiritual vitality in us. The truth is we can do all those things but fail to love. And biblical community is about the love of God being expressed through the followers of Jesus. And Paul demonstrates this for us, that, that relationships in the church are marked by Christ-like love. But growing in this kind of love, it's going to start from within, like the same way that um, Paul's mind and his heart was on those Thessalonians. He, the love that he had for them, it flowed from this interior place. And so our way to loving others is first experienced by being loved by Jesus. God loved us first. God's love in us first. Then our love for others is this echo from it. And we see this in the nature of Paul's love for the Thessalonians. Jesus loves us sacrificially, so Paul loved them more than himself. Jesus holds us in his love and he never gives up, so Paul persisted in his love for the Thessalonians. Jesus wants to be close to us, so Paul did everything that he could to get back to those Thessalonians. When we live in the love of God who has freely given it to us in Christ Jesus, we let that fullness of all of that love, the love of Christ fill our hearts and our minds. Then in this love, his love for us, it is before and it is under our love for other people as we go out in love. Every genuine expression of love that we share is, is grown out of this consistent surrender that God has for us of his love. When we embrace that, when we take hold of that, and I believe this morning, I believe that we need to hear this, that God loves you. I need this. God loves me. I need to remind myself of that. Jesus is in love with you. Let that wash over you. 
God of the universe is in love with you, not cleaned up and, and acting rightly. No, today, right now, here in this room, he loves you. He takes hold of you. He will never let you go. He is with you. He is in love with you. Claim it. Live in it. Friends, if we ever want to love like Jesus loves or, or how Paul loved those Thessalonians, we must lo- learn this first, to, to be loved like this first. We must meditate on that, remind ourselves of that. We must experience the very love of God in our lives. So I pray that, that we would discover the depth of meaning of that, being the beloved of God's and seeking to live in that and out of that in our daily lives. And relationships in the church, Paul shows us, are, are marked by Christ-like love. And the first time that I went to an escape room, they put half of our team in one locked room and then the other half of the team in another that was across, across the way. And, you know, immediately the two teams, they start looking around and they're solving the puzzles and nothing is, is really working. And then it wasn't until we started shouting at each other from across those two locked rooms that uh, we could ever get out of those rooms. Working together was the way to, to get out of what we are. And I have to say that one of the most effective ways that Satan will stop the work of God on earth is to separate us. Right? Satan's goal is to divide us and distract us and prevent us from being united together. He'll do anything so that we're, we're against each other instead of loving each other. Independent instead of collaborative. Distant instead of dedicated to each other. Selfish instead of sacrificial. Instead, picture with me every believer united for each other on mission together. Just imagine what every space, every city, every country would be like. The devil is going to work really hard to make sure that that does not happen. And we see it here. Paul tried to go and see those Thessalonians, but Satan hindered. He obstructed. Some translations say, chapter 2, verse 18, we wanted to come to you, and yet Satan thwarted us. And thwart is an interesting word. It's actually a military word. And it means to to dig up uh, a trench or to break up the road. And when you do that, when you, when you tear it up, you do it so that the enemy can't cross. It makes your opponent vulnerable. It slows them down. Thwarting is a warring tactic. And this word helps us to see that, that in fact, this is, this is a battle that we are in. We do face opposition. We need to, to know and, and we need to believe that there will be days that we're being pushed and prodded by something sinister. Paul understood this. We have a real enemy that will work to keep us apart. As Satan was actively preventing Paul from being with those Thessalonians, so Satan will actively prevent us from connection too. Do you believe it? I think sometimes we can, we can take spiritual forces and we can end up in ditches of either diluting it or putting too much weight in it, but where do you sit in this? Do you believe 
this, that there are hostile spiritual forces that are influencing individuals, evil powers that are, are hunting like a, a roaring lion seeking someone, any relationship to destroy. Remember the Holy Spirit's words through Paul in the book of Ephesians. We don't wrestle against people, not against flesh and blood. The battle that we're in it is a life and death fight to the finish against the devil and all of his angels. The kingdom of darkness destructively works in people and in relationships, and it looks like terrible things like child abuse, like violence, like racism, like capitalism, like genocide, war. It shows up in personal ways in our everyday life all the time. Evil working to tear down our relationships between each other. Things like gossip, things like anger, comparison, rejection, unforgiveness, bitterness. Satan lies, destroys, sifts, he opposes, he tempts, he accuses. God's word tells us this. It's his intention to diminish God's glory and to ruin God's people. And I say this in this way, and I, I know that this is really heavy, but it's important to acknowledge all of this. It's important to acknowledge the weight of the kingdom of darkness. Equally important, we will never forget this, as, as Christ followers, it's important to acknowledge that Christ is victorious over all things. Right? God is sovereign over Satan. He's on a leash, so to speak. And he can do no more than God permits. You know, while the enemy works in our relationships for evil, God will allow it only as far as it serves his plan for good. So Paul anticipated the enemy, so we must expect opposition as well. We must expect barriers to relationship. What, what do obstacles maybe look like in your relationships, in your life? I don't know, maybe busyness, maybe, maybe fear of being close, maybe fatigue, Maybe a, a feeling of, of independence. Are there other things for you? As Paul demonstrates for us that relationships in the church, they're, they're marked by Christ-like power. We must be ready to defend, to pivot, to fight. And, and how do Christians wage warfare? Well, well it, it certainly doesn't look like, like fighting. We are peacemakers. We prophesy blessing over people as they curse us. We love sacrificially. We, we forgive. We seek God's justice and his righteousness on the earth. We are slow to anger. We, we sing and we worship of his goodness. We answer gently to turn away anger. We, we encourage and affirm and cheer each other on. We practice patience with each other. We bear with each other. We stand together. We resist the devil's schemes to, to tear us apart. Because we need to remember that our Lord is, is the great general in this battle. The, the path to, to victory in warfare is to hold fast to, to Jesus who has already defeated him. And, and in his way, by his strength, by his power, we we hold on by abiding in Jesus. We, we can fight. We can pray for connection. We believe the best about people as opposed to making assumptions. We pray at all times. We, we see those barriers to being close and we find ways around them. 
Just as Jesus came to abolish the devil's ways, we, we join in as soldiers of the, the, the Prince of Peace. We join in on Christ's work to, to destroy the enemy's work. And I don't pretend, I don't pretend that these tactics are easy in any way. War is, is, is painful. It's gonna cost us something. Like even look at Paul, he desperately wanted to go, but, but he couldn't go. And so he sent Timothy instead. And I suspect for him that that was actually really hard. It was really hard for him to, to stop trying and to send Timothy to put aside his own desires and his own wants for, the, for their sake. And I think that, that it will cost us too in this. I think that relationships take time. And I think that they take energy. And I think that, that it will likely be hard and, and, and heavy relationships um, can, can, be, can be hard and they, they can be heavy. Let me, let me put it this way. In, um, in September, in our family's backyard, we have these, these apple trees and they, they just explode uh, with, with fruit and the, and the branches all kind of lean, lean over, right? They're, they're, all, they're all heavy and they're, they're weighted to the ground. And I looked at it and I'm thinking, what a picture that fruit carries weight. Don't you agree? And you think about it, right? As God grows us in, in patience, man, I can feel really heavy. Or, or how hard it can be to, to hang in when you really want to bail and God is growing us in, in faithfulness or how how heavy it can feel when, when God's growing us in self-control or gentleness. You know, fruitfulness in our lives has weight. And so, you know, we can, we can take heart when we feel that, that weight. It's the evidence of God's glorious work for good. And, and just because it, it feels like weight, we need to remember that, that we are fighting the good fight and he fights with us. He fights for us. And there's victory. He has crushed the enemy's head under his heel. But we can still, in our day-to-day -day relationships, we can expect opposition. But our relationships will be marked by Christ-like power. The, the last thing that I want to talk about um, from this scripture is, why do you think it was so necessary for Paul to see those Thessalonians? You know, when he couldn't get there, why did he still feel this urgency for them to send Timothy? I, I thought that was, I thought it was interesting, you know, especially coming out of COVID and understanding how we can still connect and, and still grow. Um, even though we can't see each other. In this case, the, the Bible is teaching us the value of seeing. And I wonder, is fellowship can only be so full from far? That there's a fuller, richer experience when we can be together. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm really thankful for the many ways that, that we can connect when, when we can't be face-to-face. -face. I'm thankful for technology that, that keeps us connected. My daughter right now is at university in Halifax, and, and we get to text and talk, but I still have this countdown timer on my phone that says that she'll be home in 47 days, guys, for Christmas. 
Right? There's something about being together in person that just reveals love in this more significant way. And Paul had a relationship with those Thessalonians. He was supporting them. He was rooting for them, wasn't he? And yet he still sent Timothy to strengthen and encourage. Clearly, Paul believes that there's something important about being in person, something that will not happen in the same way as the, the words that he's writing in his letter. And my husband, Sean, is part of that, that mission team in Cairo right now, and we've texted to connect, and I'm thankful to be able to let him know how much I miss him and how much I love him. But when I see him next weekend and I say those words standing in front of him, it will be different because words, words are just a fraction of the exchange. Our, our relationships are more than, than, than words. There's something in the experience with each other. And God knew this to be true. God sent his son to be born a man on, on earth. Shouldn't our Bibles have, have been enough for God to speak to us and tell us about his love? And yet God came down from heaven face to face incarnate and by his life and his death and his resurrection, Jesus shows us his love. He brought words, words to life. And I believe this is, this is all because we we're a people full of God, his Holy Spirit moving through our lives. And, and as such, the, the example of a life transformed by Christ, it serves as this compelling proof of the very reality of God. A life transformed by Christ, it serves as the compelling proof of the very reality of God. Paul demonstrates for us that relationships in the church are marked by Christ's witness. Christ-like witness. Physically, we just tell others more about life in the kingdom by our bodies, more than anything we could ever say, our, our character, our our breathing, our, our weeping, our walk, our heartbeat, like Timothy showing up and exhibiting the very life of Christ. God, through you, encourages me. God, through me, encouraging you. And we're together in person. Every small victory of, of faith in each of our lives shows Jesus. It displays what is possible in Christ. It, our very lives display his, his hope and, and his glory. Face to face, we, we share details our written stories can't tell. We are a people whose, whose presence communicate the very way of Christ. Barbara Brown Taylor asks, why did Jesus spend his last night on earth washing feet and sharing supper? With, with all of the concepts at his disposal, he didn't give them something to think about he, or even talk about. He gave them something to do together, ways of being together in their bodies. The disciples needed something warm and near, something to bump into on a regular basis. Jesus gave us this gift of each other, people we can hold, people we can cry with, hands to, to high-five, mouths to sing with, scars to share stories about bodies to baptize. 
each of us. We're not a recorded set of doctrine. Right? We're this walking, beautiful billboard of the love of Christ and his transformation in our lives. Always changing, never perfect. But seeing this, it encourages us, it roots us, and it brings us hope. Real life together is, is where we display Christ's stories in and through our lives. We get this privilege of being together this morning. And, and I'm so thankful for our digital service. It connects us, but I am also so deeply thankful as I look at you in this room, right? To be with the church, I mean, a, a very small part of it, but to be with God's church. And when I look at you, I'm reminded of Rachel Held Evans' words when she said, here she is, the church. Lovely, irregular, sometimes sick, sometimes well. This is the body like no other that God has shaped and placed in the world. Jesus lives here. This is his address. There's a lot to be thankful for, all things considered. She has taken a beating and every day she meets the gates of hell and prevails. Every day she serves and stumbles and injures and repairs. She has healed. She gives birth. Friends, it's, it's time to embrace her, to be strengthened by her, to acknowledge the scars, to stare down the, the difficult parts, to be encouraged that, that Christ through this, this flawed and magnificent body can, can carry us and, and support us and establish us and encourage us through this world into his arms in the next. Will you look around this room with me? Look left, look right. There's beautiful hearts, beautiful souls, beautiful bodies, lives that are full of good news, full of God's stories, full of Jesus. These, these hearts, these souls, these bodies, they will strengthen you, they will encourage you, they will hold you. And build your faith. So press in and be like this together. We can do life group together. We can serve on teams together. We can know each other and, and be known by Christ experienced through us. No one will be unsettled. Paul demonstrated for us that, that relationships in the church are marked by, by Christ-like witness. I love how God gives us this, this story, Paul demonstrating what relationships look like in the church. You know, that there is this beautiful love of Christ, this power of Christ, and, and the very witness of Christ. You know, Paul's desire was to promote the highest welfare of the church and, and his, his example of, of godly relationships like, like this inspire us to live the same way today. The church, yeah, she is to, to belong in, to protect, to love, to live in. Christian community is the place where, where you can strengthen others and a place to be strengthened where you can encourage others and you can be 
encouraged. Amen. Let's pray.